Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian, my co-pilot is Isaac, and this is a podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise. From the anime, the movies, the models, the food, the snacks, the clothes, you name it, we do it. On this week's episode, we'll conclude our review of the back half of Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. So let's get back to the Battle of Yakindue for the preservation of our blue and pure world. I'm just kidding, that's just Isaac. Not me, I swear. Quite a battle happening here. Azrael's boys are giving Kira quite the, the runaround. They end up going into one of these colonies. All the players sort of end up in the colony. Rao, Mu, Kira. It just so happens to be this human development facility with a bunch of fetuses in all these like tubes, uh, which was pretty gross. Yeah. How convenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Rao and and Mu are, are having a shootout inside this development facility. And then Rao throws a picture of like I he got it off of like one of the desks, right, or something. It was like a picture of Mu and his dad and the the Kira and Kigali baby pic that we saw yeah. earlier. So now I'm just like, all right. There's a lot of convenience <laughs> stuff happening here. We happen to be in the right facility. This is really strange. Yeah. What was your take going in there? My initial watch, I was it was all new to me. I was wondering like, oh God, okay. You know, really? This is really what's happening and like, wow, of course they're they're related. Of course. This explains the mask and all that. No, oh, cloning and <laughs> <laughs> now though I'm like, okay. You're doing way too much at the end of the story. This is a lot of information that maybe should have been somehow hinted at along the way or like been a subplot that was really building and gaining momentum. But to kind of throw it all at us in one episode and drag Kira into it, it was yeah. it was too much. Yeah, so eventually Rao explains that he actually knew who Kira was the whole time pretty much. He, he just thought that he was dead. Uh, he thought the twins, Kira and Kigali, were dead. Kira's true father was this guy named Professor, Professor Hibiki, and Kira is like sort of his ultimate experiment. He is humanity perfected, the ultimate coordinator. Professor Hibiki built artificial wombs to remove like sort of the one variable of coordinator births, which was the the woman's body, right? So if the woman doesn't eat certain things or or you know they don't take care of themselves in a certain way maybe the adjustments made to the coordinator baby don't come out exactly like the parents wanted. So this professor guy, you know, removed that and, and carefully controlled the entire development, and the result was Kira, and he was the only, apparently the only coordinator born this way that survived. That was what I took away from it. Was that, was that what you got? I trying to piece it all together. He was like the ideal coordinator too, right? And like the cream of the crop for this scientist yes. that actually put this together. And then I'm trying to figure out, like, was this scientist, he also cloned Moo's dad into Rao? He did. Okay. It was before Kira, but it was a worse process. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you have, like, these two sort of storylines <laughs> colliding, but the only thing that really connects them is that scientist, that guy, I guess. Yeah. It was like, um, uh, we had the same doctor, but like he was still in medical school when he worked on me. So like, that's why I'm all messed up. And like he graduated and then worked on you. That's why you came out perfect. Like, that's why you're mega man. And I'm proto man. Like you can take down like the robot masters and like Sigma and all this stuff. And you know, something happens to me after like the 10th game and I'm gone. <laughs> Proto Man even has the mask, which is great. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and yeah. also his his little his little scarf in case he gets cold. <laughs> yeah. So Rao reveals that at, at the same time as this Kira revelation is happening, you know, we, we might as well get all the exposition out at one time. So Rao reveals he's the clone of Moo's father, who was basically just sounds like a real jerk, Al Deflaga. Yeah, and. That's kind of Rao's story, and I, I guess now he's just upset at his own birth, and he wants to destroy everyone. He wants to kill all coordinators and naturals, because he basically thinks that humans, uh, they will inevitably never be satisfied and and try to continually reach higher, and they will only screw it up. Pretty much, yeah. That, and it's all a mess. <laughs> 
he has short telomeres so like it's not just him being like the rejected clone it's him having a shortened lifespan and he has to take those pills and he's just been disgusted by human warfare so humans don't deserve to live and he's playing both sides against each other how he got in contact with the earth alliance and and um, Azrael is never established or even I don't they never even established how they communicate so well you know but <laughs> we're just supposed to believe it happens that's an inference right yeah I mean even Azrael says like you know oh I guess you know La Crusade or something was like uh, correct or something you know yeah so I don't know what what secret way they're smuggling messages to each other but it's it's pretty effective the only actual time that we see a Rao give a, a message to Azrael is around this time when he gives Kira back to the Earth Alliance and he gives her a disc and on it are the plans for justice and freedom and thereby also the end jammer cancelers uh, which was the one thing that Patrick Zala did not want to fall into the Earth Alliance hands because now with those plans the Earth Alliance can use nuclear weapons again Isaac which means it's very bad for the plants or very good for Earth yes yes <laughs> so Azriel gets this and uh, his face literally lights up and he's like oh oh i can't believe it look at all this we are so lucky schematics how often do you get the enemies schematics for the enemy's new secret weapon kind of just randomly delivered to you yeah that never happens no, i don't think that's ever happened in any other gundam series so now the the earth alliance immediately i guess they get these schematics and they immediately figure out how to make end jammer cancelers because they, they make a bunch of them or they, they must I guess and and to go back to our earlier discussion because the end jammer cancelers only work in a small area that means in, in, in these next few episodes the earth launches what 50 100 nukes at least pretty much yeah dozens at least yeah so that means that every nuke they launched had to have an end jammer canceler equipped that's a lot of end jammer cancelers made in a very short amount of time Eh, for something so critical, I'm sure they, you know, booted up the factory and did like, you know, run the clock shifts and all that and whatever uh, machines they needed or retooled and all that. Yeah. So now with Enjammer canceler plans in hand, the Earth Alliance launches the first few dozen of these nukes at uh, Boaz, which is a an asteroid base. Is that I guess that it was like we never heard about Boaz before, did we? And then all of a sudden it was like, let's attack Boaz. And I was like, what the yeah. hell's Boaz? It's it's the plant Solomon. So it's before you actually get to the plants. From what I read, it's actually used to belong to the Earth Alliance, but they left it, or it was an it was a mining asteroid or something. But yeah, now it's it's been refitted as a military base, and it's supposed to be impregnable. So we learned about Boaz, and then we are immediately nuking that thing. Yeah, they have a very quick battle. Yeah, very quick. Uh, Boaz gets pretty much wiped out. And your pal, Patrick Zala, decides to counter with another acronym-based super weapon named Genesis, which we saw on, a few, on some computer screens a few episodes earlier. And you knew it was no good because it certainly looked like a colony laser, Isaac. Yeah, I mean, it was very purple, though. <laughs> <laughs> now that with Boaz taken out, the Earth Alliance sets their sights on the plants. And here is where we see the debut of a new weapon for freedom and justice called the Meteor Units. Oh, God. <laughs> Lacus has had this little trump card up her sleeve. What would you describe the Meteor Units as, Isaac? They're basically mobile weapon docking stations for the, for the justice and the freedom? Pretty much. They make, like, these massive beam savers, and, like, they have, like, this engine on the back so you can kind of boost around faster cut through people faster i guess but i'm curious like what were their what was their original purpose because they were part of the eternal weren't they and like they just get released so they were originally turrets interesting i didn't actually think they were turrets i thought she just had them you know in storage basically like that's oh, okay that was why the eternal was meant to house the justice and the freedom was because she had the meteor units on board okay sure but but yeah <laughs> these things are just I think they're unsightly is how I would describe them. They have like a weird kind of white pink color scheme. They're way too big for the mobile suit that they're on. They try to shoehorn a dendrobium into seed and it didn't work. Yeah, I would say the closest thing in the universal century is definitely the dendrobium. And yeah, I agree. The design is pretty weird. It definitely is not aesthetically pleasing, at least 
to me. The, I think what bothered me the most about these is I think that's a neat idea. I just don't understand how they don't run out of ammo. Because every time we see them, Kira and, and Atherin are launching, I don't know, a minimum of 100 missiles. And yeah. you can only do that so many times, man, before you got to go resupply. The beam sabers were pretty cool. I, th- I thought those were okay. They're just kind of shaped weird. Yeah, yeah. I like how their their logic was like, well, what does this backpack need? And then we're like, we just need massive beam saber. <laughs> yeah, we heard you like backpacks, yeah. so we put a backpack on your backpack. So we just strap them on, and now now your mobile suit's like, I don't know, three times more effective. Or it can, it was an easy solution to make their you know the three ships alliance seem like they could go toe to toe with either Zaft or the uh, Earth Alliance, and it, right. I think it's a little silly. Yeah, in terms of numbers here, the, th- the three ship alliance—that's the Archangel, the Eternal, and the Kusanagi—are fighting well above their weight class here in terms of volume, right? Freedom, Justice—they're just beam spamming and killing all these. Well, I shouldn't say killing because Kira doesn't aim for the the body anymore. He only aims for like the hands and the head. Yeah, they're, they're taking out what every time they fire ten suits. Pretty much, yeah, or at least taking out their heads. <laughs> for some reason the three ships alliance like swears off violence relena peacecraft is now like their tactician and they're only blown off the heads of mobile suits <laughs> so <clears throat> the earth alliance launches all these nukes at boaz basically just blows up boaz completely then probably the most shocking moment of the show happens and that is zala uncloaks genesis which apparently has been hidden via mirage colloid this whole time and it's just this massive gamma ray laser it has like a nuclear explosion and then it redirects all of that energy through a mirror that they burn through and cycle out every time they fire <clears throat> and the, the mirror focuses it wherever he wants it to go so they they uncloak genesis and fight and they immediately fire it at 60 percent max power at the earth alliance fleet and it wipes out 50 percent of the fleet and holy crap isaac that was a great opening to the episode yeah and almost like well actually no kind of worse than the cyclops like if you get hit by the uh, the gamma ray laser from genesis not only does it blow up ships and mobile suits of course but like the people like inflate inside their normal suits like like balloons and then pop yeah it's pretty disgusting uh, and they always made sure in all the scenes to show the inflation first before the <laughs> before the machine part blew up it was yeah pretty brutal a lot of brutal super weapons in the cosmic era yeah, but this one takes the cake because it's, it's too powerful. <laughs> it, yeah, it is very, very powerful. So so Zala f- fires this thing, wipes out the Earth Alliance fleet, or half of it, and then he immediately gets on the, you know, on the, I don't know, space TV or whatever you want to call it, and he's immediately blaming the Earth Alliance, saying, look, they used nukes again, therefore they deserved this, and if I point this gamma ray laser at Earth, it's going to destroy all life on Earth. And Waltfeld, I thought, had some good insight here. He's like, "Look, humans are are messed up. We get used to we get used to anything. You know, the first time I shot someone, it really bothered me. But then I shot more people, and it didn't bother me anymore. So they're gonna start firing this Genesis thing because they've already fired it once. Mass death be damned, right? Right. So now Zala plans to fire Genesis again, but this time he's gonna fire on the Earth's lunar base, and you know that would be a huge blow to the Earth Alliance." You know, over the course of the show, the Archangel has tried to go to the moon and to Alaska. Alaska's already gone. The other big place they tried to go was the moon. So if he takes out the moon, too, the Earth Alliance is really hurting here. Yeah, and the reinforcements are coming from the moon, too. They might not make it, Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, because that's uh, exactly what Zala does. He fires Genesis again, and uh, it destroys the entire like crater that the lunar base was in. So obviously this is, you know, huge damage to the Earth Alliance fleet. And now at this point, Azrael wants to nuke the plants directly instead of Genesis. His idea being, well, if we take out all their people, then we will essentially have won the war. And uh, that's pretty diabolical, Isaac. Although it's the same thing as uh, what Zala wants, I suppose. Yeah. On the one hand, yes, we might win the war. But on the other hand... Genesis might still be operational after the plants are nuked. So you essentially just have violent, vengeful people in command of like the one weapon that can wipe out Earth. I'm not sure his decision made a whole lot of sense. It certainly did from a I'm a genocidal maniac 
but tactically, I'm not sure it made sense. Right. And here's where we get our big final showdown between Natarl and Ramius. We get the uh, the big climactic part where they both say fire at the same time. You know, fire! Because <laughs> that's, that's like their line. <laughs> right. Both ships take like major damage from the, I guess, the low and greens or, or whatever. Low and green. Those are so cool. This also treated us with the first triple boob bounce of the series. Because um, <laughs> throughout the show, for whatever reason, there would be... I don't know, every five episodes or so, they threw in, like, whenever the Archangel would take damage, they would throw in, like, a boob bounce from Ramius as she would, like, rock back and forth in her chair. It's the same <laughs> animation. They just kept using it over and over. Comment below if, like, we ever do, like, a live watch you want in the bottom corner to be, like, Brian's boob bounce counter. <laughs> but in this battle, because you had Ramius against Natarl and Flay was on Natarl's ship, they showed Ramius boob bounce, Natarl boob bounce for some reason, and then also a Flay boob bounce to give you the, the full <laughs> trifecta. So if you're on Seed uh, boob bounce watch, I think it's uh, episode 47 is when you get, that's when you hit peak <laughs> boob bounce for Seed. And then in the special features in the deleted scenes, there's a scene where they're in like the hallway in zero gravity and they bounce against each other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that exists, but <laughs> they're in the sure middle of combat and like they take a few hits and they start bouncing. <laughs> it's like bumper cars. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny because like one seed is not like a sa- like I don't I don't feel like seed like I said last time is a fan servicey show, but they really play it up in those openings and then they try to like hide it a little bit because these characters have these like you know very. I'll say unsexy military uniforms on, but then they still attempt to throw like a boob bounce in there. So I feel like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, but it's for the fans, Brian. All right. Clearly a fan you're noticing and you're enjoying it. Aren't you, Brian? It's hard to not notice Isaac. They put the three boob bounces one after another in the show. Doesn't that turn you on, Brian? (laughs) Doesn't that butter your biscuit? Well, I wrote it in my notes. (laughs) Doesn't that boil your goat? I remember it happening and being like, well, I got to write it down. I got to call that out on the podcast. Doesn't that shoot your scooter? <laughs> shoot the scooter. But b- beyond that scene, I thought this fight was great between between Natarl uh, and Ramius. Now I'm just, now I'm just looking at the scenes of like them and Zero G like bouncing around and during combat. And then like, you know, the men are being like thrown from their chairs and they're like they're bouncing into them. <laughs> The men are being bounced around because they, they can't concentrate on the, yeah. on the fight. <laughs> like, look at your screen. I can't right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very busy. Yeah. But so I thought this fight was great, though, because this, at this point, uh, Asriel is basically giving orders to Natarl, and she's sort of resisting following them but still sort of doing it. And, oh, boy. Isaac, this is the saddest moment of the series for sure. Uh, or this was my saddest moment of the series upon my first watch back in 2003. Right. And so at, at this point, Rao has, has boarded one of your favorite Gundams, the Providence Gundam. Of course. Uh, and he's basically just taken everyone apart uh, in his way, right? He he dismantled the buster, I think, like right away. Like, I think Dirka saw him and he's and, and Rao was just like, yeah, whatever. And then like the bits just kind of took apart all of Dirka's uh, limbs on the buster. And I was like, oh man, that poor buster. It's been so out of date for so long. It had no chance. And then Moo tried to fight the Providence, and he did actually a pretty good job being in that out-of-date strike Gundam and going up against Bits. How did you feel when the Providence first showed up, Isaac? First, I was like, oh, no, not another Gundam. And then I finally saw it, and I was like, okay, this is pretty awesome. And it looks kind of villainous, but it's the traditional Gundam colors. So I like it. I've said before that I like the model. The one thing I don't like is the noise its bits make. It is a shrill kind of whistle noise. I do not like it at all. Mm, interesting. Um, I do like, though, that they gave it bits to be <laughs> to be consistent with him and Moose, like better spatial awareness and how they're basically new types in this show. I mean, they have the new type flashes and everything. Right. No other mobile suits really fight with bits in the show to my recollection uh-huh so i liked that they came back at the end in the form of, of a gundam and in the hands of rao it's pretty deadly he you know he took apart moo and moo's sort of limping back to the archangel and he he sends out a, a notice to ramius to the archangel to you know let him in they're in sort of dire straits at this point because they've, they've already taken some damage from natarl natarl's ship's not doing too well either it's taking some damage and Asriel says, hey, no, you need to sink that ship now. And he really wants them to fire. 
and I guess they see that Moo's coming back or, or something, and it just sets off Flay, and, sh- and so sh- Flay gets on the radio and says, you know, Archangel, get away. Well, this uh, sets off your man, Asriel. He's kind of right, though. We're in the middle of a battle. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. We must defeat the enemy. Who's with me? Comment below. For a blue and pure world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have nukes. You know, we got to use them. <laughs> so Asriel slaps Flay. Take that. And Nataro doesn't take that too kindly. She says, Don't, you know, stay away from my crew. So then she gets into a fight with Asriel. They're fighting while at the same time, Ramius is like gearing up to blow them away. <laughs> Nataro's like restraining Asriel. And then she immediately orders her personnel to abandon ship to the Archangel. So now they yep. like she's reached her what moral tipping point? Pretty much, yeah. She didn't want to nuke civilians and all that. She wanted to retreat, even though Adriel made a good point. Like, where's there to retreat to? What, are we gonna just leave this weapon here? <laughs> yeah, and he said that, and I was like, oh, he's got a point. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna fry the earth. So, kind of got one shot at this. You might need to go take it. Now Natarl has fully committed to going against Asriel. And she's restraining him, but then Asriel shoots her. But then she, like, locks him in, which was a smart move. Now he can't get out. And he shoots her twice more. So I think at this point he shot her in the side, the shoulder, the leg. Is your pal Asriel, is he, a, is he just a bad shot? Or, like, what's his deal? In his defense, they're in zero gravity. So I'm sure any marksmanship practice she's had, which should be minimal since he's holding, you know, essentially a glorified Derringer. He's doing the best he can <laughs> in space. Also, you have to keep in mind, every time she gets shot, Brian, there's a boob bounce. So that's moving her around. She's a, she's a harder target to hit, <laughs> all right? It's, 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 like hit, it's like hitting a clay pigeon that goes in a spiral. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah, how many bounces were there, Brian? One for each shot? <laughs> I, I didn't count those ones. We call those triple Bs. Bullet, boob, bounce. <laughs> <laughs> good thing she didn't have a bullet canceller on her <laughs> so the gun's called a life canceller <laughs> good thing i brought my life canceller with me in a space just in case i need to use a, a pocket pistol to to shoot someone in the bridge what was he gonna do with that i mean why does he even uh, have that i don't know i'm not sure um so despite you know Nataral's best efforts Asriel he gets into a terminal and he fires the Lohengrin and and that shot is headed straight for the Archangel's bridge and they have no time to evade but who flies up and blocks the shot Isaac it's Moo Moo flies up and he like holds out his shield which I don't know how but it's able to take the circumference of the beam <laughs> i don't think that's possible but hey this is the end of the show so we things are going to happen that really don't make sense so he gets his hero moment brian the shield starts dissolving of course because the, the heat and the energy from the the Lohengrin, it's so much and then once that's gone he like turns around to moo and like they're like talking on like the screen he's like i forgot what he says nonsense love stuff like you know i love you so much and then like <laughs> The beam hits him and like he's exploding and dissolving and and then and then Ramius is like no and then like Mu dies he like explodes and like there's nothing left like he he the beam ma- makes him evaporate you know he's not even blown to smithereens he's reduced to vapors yeah the strike just kind of goes away in a poof yeah. of smoke while Isaac said that you know it was it was dumb love stuff it wasn't that the point where he said see I told you I make the impossible possible or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So it very great. Moo lines. I love Moo final line. I was so upset when Moo died. And then see Destiny come out, but we'll get there one day. Yeah, we'll we're working our way. So yeah, so now you know Ramius is just just heartbroken now. Uh so she fires on the Dominion and then the Dominion goes up in smoke. She takes out the bridge and uh, your pal Azriel goes down with Natarl. Tragic day for all of us at Blue Cosmos. We lost a hero to the cause. Now Asriel's off the board, so really the only remaining people are Patrick Zala and that jerk Raoul Le Creuset. Had to work Le Creuset in here just for Isaac <laughs> once. Le Croissant? <laughs> I think I'm going to call Lacousse the, the Spruce Lacousse. Lacousse the Spruce and the, the Creuset, whatever you, whatever way? I don't know. Raoul Le Croissant. <laughs> we, we get to our final episode of the series, Isaac. Lacus is futilely begging Zaf to stop using Genesis. She needs to stop begging. That never works. 
did it. I mean, actually, I'd say this might be the one time her broadcast or whatever kind of worked because... In the oh, control, that's true. In okay. the control room of Genesis, like, a lot of the technicians were just kind of looking at each other, right? They're like, are we really going to go through with firing at Earth? <laughs> you know? I yeah. mean, it's one, thing to, it's one thing to blow enemy military out of the sky. It's another thing to, you know, wipe out all life on Earth. Like, you know, maybe some of them, like, elephants, you know? So they didn't want to, like, <laughs> imagine them wiping out all the elephants on Earth. You know? <laughs> Things like yeah. that. Um and then, like, na- oh, God, this is when, like, nameless <laughs> personal assistant to Patrick Zala, like, turns on him. Yeah, I was going to ask you, have we seen that in any other Gundam series? I don't think so, right? No, but, you know, since this is one-year war by the numbers, they had to shoehorn in a, a, a betrayal of the, of the enemy leader. So Yeah. But, I mean, I wish it was a character we've seen this whole time. You know, like, um, I don't know, uh, an assistant that was with... Patrick the whole time maybe or um I wish it had been Atherin yeah that would have been so much better very Shakespearean but instead out of nowhere like clearly someone in his inner circle was like you know we shouldn't do this and then I I guess Patrick pushed his luck right he was like I'm not even gonna argue with you here's the bullet here's the life counselor (laughs) Patrick pulls out his (laughs) life counselor instead of arguing with the man (laughs) and he's (laughs) He puts, I think he puts one in him and assume or one or two, and then assumed, oh, that was it. Let me just stand up and man the gun myself. But little did he know, his the guy he just shot. Guess what, Brian? He had a life counselor too. <laughs> it's almost like life counselors are standard issue in Zaft. <laughs> Pretty much. Now that so many life counselors have been fired at each other in the control room of the super weapon. I guess, like, the technicians just up and leave, right? Everyone at a computer monitor just leaves the room. Yep. They're like, ah, we're done here. I mean, he's dead. He's bleeding out. Uh, we're not going to fire this thing. We'll just go home. At this point, the battle's been going on for, like, too long. I think technically Zaft was winning, but I don't know. I guess the Three Ships Alliance was causing them a lot of problems or something. And from what I remember, I think Kira and – no, Kira and Atherin, like, they were able to get their Gundams, like – to Genesis, so whatever defenses Genesis had are mostly gone by now, I guess. Yeah, it was it was Atherin and Kigali, but yeah, they they like parked their Gundams oh, okay. in in Genesis, which is I had so I had a question on that. They they like get their Gundams into Genesis, and they park them and they try to go find the control room. When they got into Genesis in their Gundams, why didn't they just start firing indiscriminately and you know blow the place up from the inside? I think they said they couldn't do that because of like Mirage Colloid. Something oh, like that. Okay. Like the armor itself, like it couldn't be destroyed from blasting. You know, you had to actually trigger something inside of it to destroy it. But then I had a question on that too, because the Kusanagi tried to fire and the Eternal tried to fire on Genesis and they were like, oh, well, their phase shift armor or whatever can't last forever. But wouldn't it have been smarter to just fire on the mirror and buy more time? Brian, you should have been an officer because that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> Just the mirror seems a lot more fragile than actual Genesis, probably. But at the same time, like, actually, I guess you're right because they have to replace that mirror each time it gets heated up. Yeah, and so, it takes about an hour to swap it out. I think. Yeah, as long as you can, I guess, you don't even have to destroy it outright. Maybe damage the mirror enough. It should be. <clears throat> yeah, just so it doesn't like, work, right? Yeah, yeah, Genesis would be useless, right? It'd be like, it'd be like having like a sniper rifle, but somebody somebody messed up your bullets, so. Yeah, it's like that Twilight Zone ending, right, where the guy's in the library and he loves books, but then his glasses breaks and he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yep, you, you only got half of the equation there, buddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, good point, but at the same time, I, I don't know. Knowing Zaff, like, uh, they, they would have pulled something out of their sleeves, like, oh, we modified it so we don't need the mirror or something, <laughs> you know? So I, 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 the, the Three Ships of Lines wanted to be thorough and just get rid of Genesis. Yeah, which, you know, little tidbit, yeah, I did some research. Genesis actually wasn't just a super weapon built from the ground up. It was originally a propulsion system for exploration in space. The Uh-oh. beam would propel a ship at very high speeds, I think maybe nearing the speed of light, so that the exploration for coordinators could be done. You know, they really wanted to follow in the footsteps of... Uh, of their founder explore space this time at at high speed approaching fractions of light speed 
Instead, I don't know who, probably someone in Patrick Zala's faction said, you know, this is a lot of energy. We could actually point it at objects and destroy <laughs> them. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> oh, boy. That man's name, Jason Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> they worded him with his name on the side of the laser. He's like, yeah, he's like, okay, I'll do all like the math and stuff that we need, the engineering, <laughs> but you have to name this weapon after me. <laughs> And Patrick, Patrick was like, okay, we got you covered. <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't name it like the Earth Canceler. Yeah, the Earth Canceler. <laughs> All Life Canceler. <laughs> <laughs> so now Azrael's dead. Zala's dead. So the last guy left is Raleigh Crusade. What about our buddies, Brian? Our buddies in the Forbidden and the Calamity? Oh, well, they're well <laughs> they're, dead at this point. They're having the time of their life. <laughs> yeah, they, they've been killed. Uh, so... Of all people, Izak killed two of them. <laughs> he really did some damage finally, this guy. In, in their defense, like, I don't know what happened with their dosage, but they were clearly not performing as well as they could have. <laughs> <laughs> the last one that he killed was definitely having some trouble. Yeah. That was a pretty good death, right? He took um, he took Dirka's gun, the Buster's gun, and, and shot it. I think that was the raider. Yeah. Uh, Atherin cut one of them in half with the meteor beam saber, which was pretty brutal. That was Yikes. a good one. Yikes. And then uh, Izak killed the other one, too, by basically doing like a suicide charge, and he absorbed the the, the big beam shot with his shield and basically got up close and personal and just kind of stabbed him with the beam saber. So Izak really doing some work here in, in the Battle of Yakin Due. Redeeming himself. Yeah, I don't know. Is he really redeemed? He shot that whole shuttle of civilians. All right. I guess he's not. But, you know, in the eyes of, like, people that root for, like, Izak and the Three Ships Alliance, I guess he's doing pretty well. Yeah. No, he, he did some stuff. I'll give I'll give him that. Yeah. T- still still got that terrible haircut. <laughs> the Prince Valiant. Quite the bowl. Yeah. The bowl haircut. <laughs> is Izak so stressed that, like, at a, such a young age, his hair has turned silver? Like, because, <laughs> because of how angry he always is and, like yelling and stuff like he did it to himself right like he doesn't tell anybody in his squad but he actually has like ulcers <laughs> he has the stomach of a 50 year old man <laughs> oh Izak. he's got the blood pressure of a of an air traffic controller <laughs> <laughs> there were a whole bunch of moments in the series where it just seemed like everybody hated Izak. like even rao hated Izak. well he's the hardest one to talk to in their meetings right he's always like you know why can't we attack or <laughs> yeah and he was never right. And Rao's like so level-headed and calm, you know, so. Silly Izak. So at this point, although Zala's dead, Genesis is still set to fire, Isaac. That pesky Patrick uh, initiated like a self-destruct sequence, but before it self-destructs, it's still going to fire. So something needs to be done there. But before that gets resolved, we, we cut back to Rao and Kira, who are having their final philosophical duel. Your man Rao is, is really making the Providence look good. What did you think of his performance? He was doing great. He ended up losing, but dare I say he was the second best pilot in the series. I think he was, and I think Kira got a little bit lucky here. Rao took out both of Kira's meteor arms, the Freedom's head, the Freedom's uh, right leg. He shot Kira multiple times in the chest, and I think the Freedom had either one or no arms by the end. So, really, any one of those shots, especially the ones to the chest, could have blown up the freedom. Yeah. Kira ended up getting the best of, of Rao. He took out his bits, sort of one by one. Kira kind of won with, like, a suicide charge, basically, and stabbed him. I would agree with you that he's probably the second best behind Kira, for sure. And Kira has that, you know, OP targeting computer. True. I just, I don't know. It was a good epic fight to end the series. We know who I was going to go. But, um, yeah, good good final villain. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, sometimes those last fights, maybe they don't live up to the hype. Yeah. This one I, I thought it was, it was really good. I thought it was uh, well-paced, and there was a lot of damage done on both sides. I didn't feel like Rao was overmatched. It was a lot going on at once. You know, they're fighting inside the super weapon. The super weapon's going to fire. They have friends inside that they're trying to, you know, self-destruct it and get out. And... Yeah, the battle's kind of still raging outside. So there's a ticking clock and the stakes are raised. And so once Rao's dead, Genesis reaches its self-destruct point. 
but it blows up because our pal Atherin self-destructed his justice just like he self-destructed yeah. his aegis but he got out of there because uh, kagali saved him um or like a smart man unlike lord azumi he set his little self-destruct and then he got out and he got somewhere else and then he <laughs> left he didn't stay in the suit and be stupid exactly yeah <laughs> and that's where we leave off when in seed isaac i think that they yeah. they say there will be a peace negotiation yeah, like the Three Ships Alliance shoots off flares after Genesis blows up. And then they're like, oh, all, all ships are signaling that, you know, they're standing down in a ceasefire. Yeah. You know, both governments are calling for a ceasefire. Uh. And then they play the little end credits music and yeah. Oh, did we talk about Flay getting killed? <laughs> oh, we didn't. Yeah, Flay got killed in that yeah. last battle with Rao and Kira. The lifeboat ships, the little shuttles leaving the Dominion. Heading over Archangel, they didn't make it, Brian. Yeah, it, it was quite the surprising moment, right? Rao shoots at her shuttle, and Kira rushes in and blocks it with his shield, which, by the way, doesn't even make sense. Shouldn't these beams be moving at like the speed of light? But anyway, <laughs> so he blocks it with his shield, right? And then you think, oh, Kira saved the day. Nope. Providence bit right behind the shuttle, yep. shoots it from another angle, just blows a hole. Clean yeah. through that bad boy. Flay goes up in flames. Oof. And then, like, they show her, like, spirit kind of floating. And, you know, you see her body, like, in the fire kind of wiggling around a bit. And <laughs> Yeah, she has a spiritual conversation with Kira where she tells him, I, I will always love and protect you. I guess, overall, what did you think of the Kira Flay? I'll call it a romance, even though I don't think it was really a romance. Uh, it was, I don't know, Kira had feelings for her, she was just kind of crazy, had some feelings for him, it was, it was just a mess, and, you know, so many people had died by then, I guess they just wanted one more death for Kira <laughs> to just kind of give him, like, emotional propellant going into the final battle, and, yeah. and also, you know, Flay can't live, you know, they wouldn't want her to live, what's she gonna do, I guess they, well, actually, no, they could have had her live, and, like, she kind of saw the error of her ways, like, she would maybe regretful you know be like i can't believe i was so gung-ho about killing coordinators or people too or something like that but instead they're like no redemption via death and they killed her (laughs) yeah flay she's just a weird character to me i feel like they couldn't decide what to do with her maybe you know because the last time kira saw her he told her that their relationship was a mistake and then all of a sudden she's still all ah you know i love you and all this stuff at the end i was like oh i thought we were done with the kira flay thing i thought we were on the kira lacoose train it would have been better if like he tries to save her and like she still dies but like her little spirit says you know i will haunt you until the end of your days i hate you i can't believe you let my father get killed in that space battle <laughs> yeah like you promised and yeah. then yeah she's like i hope you coordinators all get killed like i'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to become the spirit of Blue Cosmos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would have been way more of a twist ending for sure. I would have liked that. Yeah. And and see Destiny, you see like a bunch of Blue Cosmos people. They have like t-shirts with Flay's face on it. (laughs) Flay was right. Remember Flay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What would Flay do? (laughs) (laughs) WWFD. (laughs) Yeah, she would would kill coordinators. (laughs) Yeah. So that that was uh, was Gundam Seed. I think we were a little harsh on it uh, during this this bit i thought the back half was actually really good you just can't think about it too much in certain parts i'll agree with you that the back half is better than the first half for a very colorized redo redo of the one-year war it's pretty good pretty close to it some problems though right some wackiness um even the fashion right like Mm -hmm. kira's shirt i i know you want (laughs) that shirt brian you want those sleeves with the buckles (laughs) kira's shirt is equivalent to Jerry Seinfeld's puffy shirt. Did we just date ourselves? Did we just lose like all of our Zoomer listeners? Uh, I don't know. You know what? They should all watch Seinfeld. It's a great show. Maybe they will. Like, yeah, when their parents are done watching. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the relationship stuff on the show is like, uh, whatever, you know. But overall, I think it had some really cool characters. Moo, really well done, fun guy. He's like right up there with like, you know. Very, very much a Han Solo personality, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely. The whole Ramius Nataro dynamic that was really cool. We've never seen anything like that, really. Um, this did that so well. They're on opposite sides, but you really like both of them. 
Azrael, as much as I enjoyed him, he really felt kind of shoehorned in at the end. It's like we really established the Earth Alliance as kind of this bigoted, prejudiced force too. What would be the leader of that? And you know, out of nowhere, it's like, oh yeah, there's this guy that's like kind of a corporate leader and sort of not really the government, but he's going to be jockeying along in the ship. Say what you will about Zala being one-dimensional, but he was at least there from the beginning of the show. So. Yeah, I was just going to say, I wish we had seen Azrael from the beginning. Like, he just kind of showed up in episode, I don't know, whatever, 30, 32. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, M- missed opportunity with the extended pilots. You know, there's, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how can you have a, a show called Gundam and we learn almost nothing about some of the Gundam pilots? You know, that's right. very rare in the series. They, they could even have their own side story, really. What about the romances? Did those work for you? And by those, I mean the three major ones. By the end, you had Kira and Lacus, you had Atherin and Kigali, and you had uh, Mu and uh, Ramius. They worked going from least to best in that order. Kira and Lacus, I didn't really buy it too much. It seemed very shoehorned in, and plus I'm not a big Lacus fan. Lacus, yep. whatever. Atherin and Kigali, that one was done better with, you know, them being enemies and then, you know, meeting and falling in love, working together, fighting side by side. Uh, Ramius and Mu, that one was the best one, I thought. <clears throat> yeah, I think I agree, especially with that ordering. Even Kira and Lacus, I was okay with. I think it was still better than maybe some of the romances we get, like, for example, Ko and Nina. But yeah, I think Atherin and Kigali, you know, they definitely had a lot of development there, being on that island together. Kigali, you know, asking Atherin to be present when she told Kira that they were siblings. That was done well. And then, yeah, I totally agree on Mu and, and Ramius. That's why it hurts so much when, when Mu dies, right? Yeah. They had such a good tragic arc, though. She's his commanding officer. And, like, first it's like, is this kind of like a, a brother-sister kind of thing or friend-coworker mm-hmm. thing, Jim and Pam? And then I was like, no, this is clearly something... <laughs> way more serious and then then it's like okay of course you would die for someone you loved just like you know Azrael died for blue cosmos (laughs) (laughs) that was the other love story in this show how much he loved earth how much he loved that planet (laughs) (laughs) that that shining pure blue planet (laughs) yeah he was like well i must do the heroic thing and aim for their bridge (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and let me just say, as a civilian, he did that really well, really quickly. Like he did. You know, he did. I, I know he's his company probably built the uh, the minion. I assume, but you know, it's one thing to like own the company that builds like you know the laptop. It's another thing being able to like open the laptop and go to like the bio screen and like <laughs> immediately start changing things. You know, on the fly. So <laughs> did a heck of a job. A little surprised none of those nukes got through, but he certainly gave it his all. Can you imagine being in the plants like, oh, God, they must have been freaking out, right? Because you're looking outside your window and you just see like these huge pink and purple explosions. Was the plants being evacuated? We never heard anything about Well, we never really saw what was going on in the plants. I mean, where are they going to go? Yeah, I mean, you got me there, but like, I don't know. I'd rather be on a ship outside the plant if mm. the plants are being nuked than being in the plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, I was going to tell you, when Azrael was talking about nuking the the plants, he was like, I'm going to destroy those hourglasses. And I was like, oh, he has just he has uh, just as little respect for the design as we do. Yeah, pretty much. Like, <laughs> And he knows they're fragile at the center. <laughs> yeah, it just takes one little, you know, yeah. just break the little middle and you're done. God, I don't even think you need nuclear weapons to take out the plants, right? Because it's all that's glass. That's a good point. Yeah, say what you will about like the O'Neill cylinders always, you know, having troubles of their own whenever there's a battle happening. But, you know, those can kind of be patched up. And, like, if there's a hole in the colony, it seems like people could kind of go about their business for a while at least, you know? I think these are the, the problems you get into when you just, when your character's goal is to just destroy the colonies rather than you have some sort of just political conflict, right? Because <clears throat> right. we're, you know, we're saying if you just want to destroy the plants, then do you really need nuclear weapons? Probably yeah. not. Conventional probably could have done it better. With less, you know, with less fanfare, right? Right. I mean, technically from Earth, you could have attacked them and gotten it blown away if you're moving an object fast enough, I guess, and they can't stop it in time, but I don't know. We'll leave that to the Marzion. <laughs> 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 to time their, their shot every three years. 
every uh, ten years when that volcano erupts. Oh, yeah. we, we got one, boys. He's like, oh, we, uh, the orbits are getting close. We got a shot this time, and then, <laughs> <laughs> then Earth has like nineteen weeks to figure out how to stop. <laughs> all right, we've determined they're gonna miss us this year. Like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> well, all right, see you again. All right, time to plan the next Federation parade. <laughs> any thoughts on the freedom and the justice i guess i mean you know those are the face of the franchise here at this point you know what i'm not too big on the freedom and the justice i think they're kind of bland generic main hero gundam every other gundam was much more interesting i thought than the actual freedom or the strike right i definitely agree about the justice to an extent, the freedom as well. You know what's interesting about the justice and the freedom is if you just look at the line art, like you just go, you know, type in Justice Gundam or Freedom Gundam, yeah. they look pretty boring in the default pose. I think they look better in action. Hmm. Like if they're just standing there, they have very large backpacks. And right. I don't think it looks good. In, in the animation, you don't notice it as much because the, the freedom always has its guns like splayed out, uh, which, you know, makes it look a lot better. Right. The Justice, though, particularly, that backpack is huge and it's not very flattering. I'm not a fan of the Justice. I think it looked fine in the show, but it's never just standing still in the show. It's like always moving and doing some weird pose. So maybe it's just a pose thing. But yeah, neither of them are my favorite. I don't think I would want a model of either of them. I really like the Providence, though. I'm on your boat with that one. Yeah, and also in terms of red mobile suits... Both of the ones Atherin had were not good as far as, you know, the Char stand-in mobile suit, the mm, sinister yep. red mobile suit, the powerful red mobile suit piloted by an ace. I didn't get that at all from anything Atherin was piloting. I think it's just maybe Atherin's personality. Yeah. The one that was, I thought, interesting because it was kind of like either half sniper or half kind of heavy arms was Buster Gundam. Even the color scheme was all right, but other than that, man, I'm going with the extended as being very flavorful Gundams. The one that's not a Gundam that I liked was the one that Rao was using towards the end. I don't even know how to pronounce it. The Guaz, maybe? Oh, wasn't that just a gin? Like a white gin? No? Yeah, it was essentially the Cosmic Era version of a Gelgoog. All right, that makes sense. It kind of had like big shoulders, right? If I remember. It did, yeah, and it had the big like yeah. fin thing. Um, yeah, extra boosters on the shoulders or something like that yeah yeah okay yeah. yeah as far as the zap mobile suits as zeonic as they try to make them look no i i didn't find any attachment to them and i don't think anybody else did even you you know as much as you like maybe the aquatic ones or the flight ones i'd be surprised if i saw them at your place after the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> yeah i probably won't there, be building there, many yeah. cosmic era suits no there's other things to build that are more important <laughs> I mean, the Freedom definitely has a huge following. There have been like a million, not a million, but there have been, you know, multiple master grades of the Freedom that sell very well. Yeah, but hero mobile suits, I mean, hero Gundams that are always in like the generic Gundam colors are always hot sellers. Yeah, you know, that's true. For every series, Double O, Gundam Build Fighters Try, whatever. The hero's always in demand. It's always something that's unique and kind of out of the way where you're kind of, you know, more curious to check out and make your selection more unique. The one we didn't need was the Strike Rouge. Yeah, that was just weird, wasn't it? <laughs> I just, I thought, like, if you're going to give Kigali a mobile suit, give her something more unique. Don't just give her a a pink version of the Strike. I mean, that seemed, that doesn't fit Kigali's personality at all. No, it was almost um, condescending, right? Like, why, yeah. why not do, like, why not do something like, I don't know, the lady of orb astray or something like that and it would be like this really super astray version or something like that right that would yeah. have made more sense you know like or the, we made you the izumi type and she was like oh wow thank you so much or something like that yeah. but nope they were like well we found white paint and pink and red paint and we decided to mix them together <laughs> <laughs> here it is we we needed to get you one maybe it's supposed to be red to match Atherin's. is that why his isn't even red though and no it's like, like a, a crimson and it's like e kind of yeah, yeah still not even like a shade close enough to him maybe it's like an eternal thing you know they're like okay our ship's pink we, some of our mobile suits need to be pink because we know zaft and earth alliance aren't going to use any pink in their designs i mean she gets something better in seed destiny but that's you know that's it's, a different show so yeah at that point we're dealing with other characters too so we don't see too much of her 
So. Yeah. All right, Isaac, do you have any other thoughts before we uh, rate this bad boy? I would say if you haven't seen Seed, you've listened to our two episodes on it, maybe you're on the fence, make the time to see it. It's new enough, and it also has a sequel series called Gundam Seed Destiny that it would be worth a watch if you've seen the original series and you like the one-year war. Um, watch this because it follows the beats of the one-year war almost exactly. Legged ship, uh, Gundam Jack, go to Earth, Earth battles, go to space, space final battle, super weapons, done. <laughs> it's fun. I enjoyed it more the first time I watched it. Uh, compared to this rewatch, but you know, maybe my tastes have changed. I'm, I'm ready to get my rating now. How about you, Brian? I think we were probably a little harsh on it today, but I think overall it's a good show. Um, I think it holds up still pretty well. I mean, it is a 20 year old show now, basically, uh, which is crazy to think about, right? It holds up better animation wise, obviously, than you know, 0079 does. So it doesn't feel like a 20 year old show. It definitely feels a little dated now, but not. I don't think it feels 20 years old. Do you? No. Animation-wise, it doesn't look that dated. The music isn't dated. Tone-wise, it tried to strike a balance, I think, between being almost young and also very um, mature in tone. Not as mature as like Iron-Blooded Orphans or Double O, but trying to strike a balance between the two. It didn't perfectly stick the landing, but um, there's there's enough there to enjoy it for, uh, I think... Fans that might be older or younger, or um, fans that overall just like Gundam. The the most dated part of it to me are the character designs. It definitely has that like mid two thousands aesthetic with like really big anime eyes. Yeah, I feel like we've gotten away from that art style a little bit. So that's the only part of it where I'm like, oh, I definitely feel the era that this show was made in. Yeah, I don't know what it is. The eyes are just a little bigger than they are today, and maybe a little further apart or something. Yeah. Also, in terms of like the redub, I didn't think it was necessary. I I can the one thing that I've noticed though is that Azrael's character was given a much older voice. I assume to make him more sinister, but other than that, I don't think the voice acting was a big noticeable improvement or decrease for any of the other characters. Yeah. Mm, yeah, because you've seen both of them now. Yeah. Your opinion is just no real gain or loss. Why did we do this? Yeah, we should have spent all that time on Double Zeta, on Victory, on Turn A. And we didn't. Gundam X. Here we are. (laughs) Bummer, man. Yeah. What about uh, Rao? Which which Rao did you like? Because I feel like he talked the most at the end. Or him and Patrick Zala, right? It was the new one noticeably different than the old one no 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 the only one that was noticeable to me was Azrael because the original dub he has a much younger sounding voice and i guess they didn't want you know someone with so much weight and maybe the logic in their minds was you know is this is this really young guy really going to be part of like the federation the the earth alliance's leadership probably not so they really up aged his voice Mm, interesting yeah. yeah, I'd be really curious to hear your comments on if you've seen both versions of the dub, you know, which which one do you like better uh, in your reasoning. I think the more I've read into it, I do see a lot of people now saying that they don't like the new one and they would prefer the old one. I can't really tell, though, if that's just because people are more attached to the old one. You know, the, the new one certainly makes some weird decisions, Lacus being one of them. Maybe, but at the same time, you would have to sit and watch the original dub and then watch the new dub. And I don't think a lot of people are going to do that. So we remember the original voices. We hear the new voices. But the fact that there isn't that much of a difference that strikes out to me, I don't think a lot of people are that pleased about it and see it as something that was kind of pointless. So that's why they don't really care too much for the new dub. Yeah, I also think it's one of those things that if you had watched the new dub first, you you might have the same reaction. I mean, was this the best dub in the world? No. Were there a lot of like terrible things about it? I don't think so. I I thought it was perfectly acceptable. Yeah, I mean, there's always gonna be a few episodes, right, where maybe some lines are a little stilted or, or they don't sound exactly right. But I mean, it's a 50 yeah. episode show, right? So you got you got to measure it on the whole thing. I think overall, it's a case of whatever W ran in first. That's your original version. That's your home version. So you're not gonna be either too thrilled or you know the the new version. 
the new dub is just going to strike your ear differently. You know, it would be like watching Star Wars and then, um, you know, all the character voices are differently, you, different. You know, you're like, what? You know, same story, but at the same time, you're like, eh, I, I kind of liked it the old way. Yeah. Okay, for this rating, Isaac, you have to tell me how many Haros as well as what color Haros because Lacus slash Lacus <laughs> has all the colors of the rainbow. Boy, okay. I would give Gundam Seed a three and a half out of five Haros. And they would actually be all the Haro colors. They would be the purple <laughs> one. I think she had a green one, a red one. I don't know, whatever else she had, yellow and blue. <laughs> and I say all the colors because Gundam Seed gives you kind of everything, right? You got some great battles. You got cool super weapons, some love story and character developments. It gives you enough of a diversity in terms of like themes and things you'll see that it's worth a watch. I'm going to give Gundam Seed an 8 out of 10 Haros. Um, I think it's, mm-hmm. like Isaac said, it's a pretty good redo, reboot-ish, soft reboot of the one-year war story in a little bit more of a modern or attempted modern setting. Uh, it's very colorful. The animations still holds up today pretty well. If you refuse to watch things with old animation and you're never going to watch the original series, Gundam Seed is a good substitute. It's definitely not as good as the original series by any means. But it's enjoyable, especially if you don't have any attachment to Gundam. Like maybe this is someone's first Gundam series. I think that's true for a lot of people in America. Uh, for people of a certain age, so I think they look, you know, they look back on it very fondly. I think the downsides are just maybe don't think about some of the plot details too hard, and yeah, I mean, one thing maybe that takes away from it a little bit for me is I feel like the freedom was pretty overpowered at the end. Kira ended up being not as interesting to me, so for that reason, I cap it at eight out of ten, and I will get, I will take a green, blue, yellow pink, purple, red, orange, and uh, brown Haro to make my eight Haros. I don't think I repeated any colors, but... (laughs) (laughs) Those are all good points. I mean, Kira is one of the most blandest protagonists in any series, and he really didn't shine here. I don't think he grew much as a character since he was always really on the fence, Mr. Peace, right? And... The only person who grew that was sort of almost close to the center stage was um, Atherin. I guess Kigali too, but you know, she she pretty much just went from being fighting against the war to fighting against the war. And this time without her dad. (laughs) um, (laughs) As far as like other characters we met and the whole Three Ships Alliance, you do kind of have to suspend some belief that, you know, Three Ships are able to hold their own amid a battle between seemingly hundreds or thousands of of other ships in the end of this war but um but yeah overall a fun series i think so watch it it's worth it do it and when we do our live watch for charity we'll have the boob bounce counter (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if anyone's ever done that like count the number of ramius boob bounces in this show and flay well she's not the only yeah i said does Nataro do it? Probably, right? Uh, I don't think. Wow. I don't think there's many Nataro boob bounces. That's what actually took me by surprise when we had the triple one, because I was like, "Oh, is it because she's a captain now? Is that why?" <laughs> I just found that really odd. Like we we don't get that a lot in Gundam shows. We'll have the counter just for you, Brian, and then like we'll have charity matching per bounce. It'll be great. <laughs> we'll raise so much money for for kids in like group homes to have Leos. <laughs> We will ship you the finest Leo orphans. Don't worry. Nothing but master grade Leos. <laughs> <laughs> they'll have to settle for high grade. I don't think they'll ever make a master grade Leo. All right. All right. All right. We'll do it. We'll do high grades. So please let us know your comments on Gundam C, particularly the second half. Uh, who's your favorite pilot? Who was your fa- You know, what Gundam was your favorite? Did you like the Earth Alliance boys? Did you like the Strike Daggers, the M1 Estrays? Whose side are you on? Are you on? Are you with Patrick Zala? Are you with Azriel? Are you with Raoul Le Creuset or Raoul Le Croissant? What kind of counselor would you make? Because <laughs> we already have a rain counselor. That's an umbrella. A life counselor is a gun. There's so many options. Yeah, it's just it's so versatile. You know, food. Food is a hunger counselor. <laughs> the options are endless, Brian. There's a whole new world. 
Money is a debt canceller. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And debt is a net value canceller. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry, net worth canceller. (laughs) Just don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and bounce. Bounce, bounce, bounce.